If your dream is to be a musician and an artist like mine was, being savvy, you know, whether it's FPU University or just reading a book, but actually doing the principles of having an emergency fund, putting money aside for like when the unexpected happens will save your butt and keep you on the road way longer than the majority of your peers. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. And Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or X at Between Grooves and on Instagram at Between Grooves Pod. Now, here's James and Aisha. Welcome to Between the Grooves. We are back. James Curtis along with Aisha Woods. How you doing, Aisha? Hey, hey. I'm doing great, man. I'm just, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm still on New Year mode, you know, thinking about... I hear you. You don't want to hear this from me right now, but I've already started on my taxes. <laughs> have you? I oh have. My God. I do a lot of prep work in the in the January month, just, um, you know, adding up bills and, and monthly expenses mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff for write-offs and, and whatnot. So I, I try to get a head start. Yeah. And that way, my thought Ooh. is... The sooner I can get the money back, the better, right? I get money back every year and I <laughs> oh, want my I money. You. Yeah. It's all about I money. I hear you. And this can episode I, I tell you? <laughs> this episode is all about money. Let's talk cash. Let's talk money, folks. <laughs> uh, honestly, this is this is a topic that doesn't get touched on a whole lot. And I think it's really, really no. important, especially the fact that we're in the beginning of a year uh, where people mm-hmm, can make mm-hmm. uh, decisions and change lifestyles if need be and do things yes. for the for for them, in essence, right, not, not right. to sound selfish or anything, but yeah, do something for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'll tell you this: uh, towards the end of 2023, the Lord gave me this scripture, and I'm like, hmm. And it's in Proverbs, the 27th chapter, and it's the last few verses of it, and it says, "Know well the condition of your flocks." And give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of the field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the maintenance for your girls." But the beginning part is what stood out to me most, um, where it says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. So just the responsibility that we have um, for maintaining good stewardship Mm -hmm. and us, you know, getting a hold of these things, um, at the top of the year, it's it'll serve us well, you know. Well, yeah. let's let's talk about money today. Our guest, Mike Crofts, uh, has been in the music world, uh, now spends more time in the money world, uh, but mm-hmm. certainly would love to pick his brain on uh, on what his thoughts are as far as you know what we need to be doing, what we need to be thinking about, and and planning for the future. Mike Crofts mm-hmm. on Between the Grooves. 
Good to be here. So, Mike, um, what are you doing in Alberta right now? Uh, freezing my butt. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hear you. Uh, I mean, um, I thought you lived in Toronto. I did. I used to. Then we moved to Alberta a couple years ago. Oh, okay. And are you yeah. happy there? Because there's been a lot of change in Alberta, too. Yeah, well, we, we came out for the better weather. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's been good. It's been good. It's been good. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great place. We're in Calgary, so we're in southern Alberta where, you know, um, we spend half the winter usually in a Chinook, which means it's usually golfing weather January, February. So I can't complain about that. It's golfing weather in January, February in Alberta? Yeah, it's not uncommon. Oh so Chinook okay. is just a warm body of air that the mountains shoot over us. And so it's not uncommon to go from minus 10 to plus 10, plus 15 in a day. And sometimes we'll stay there for weeks. Oh, okay. Because I know... We I know had one in December. We, all of December, we were plus 5, plus 10. Right. I, I know yeah. I've experienced that in British Columbia where my parents used to live there. And uh, I would go there, I would probably say in February... And it was already spring-like weather. Like, you, you, you yeah. dress as if you were in Toronto with the, you know, Toronto weather, the temperatures, the snow, and everything else. And you'd fly to British Columbia expecting the same. And it's like, oh, I don't need this jacket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was wearing shorts and a sweater all last month. So. Well, there's a lot of people. Oh, my sweater. goodness. There's a lot of people wearing no. shorts and sandals all year long in Toronto, too, in <laughs> fairness. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. That's yeah, something different. So. Yeah, so, we're, you know, we, we got that Florida weather, almost. Yeah, almost, <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> there you go. Um, you used to be in a band called Sky Terminal. Uh, you used to play mm. guitar. Uh, you didn't mm. sing, did you? Oh, I mean, backup. But okay. Nothing, nothing, yeah, nothing crazy. And do you still play? Um, a little bit, yeah. Um, obviously, with COVID, that shuts that down quite a bit. Um, what I started doing is... Uh, me and a couple of buddies got together and we started writing songs mm. for uh, TV. And um, and so we, we actually had a couple of songs appear on a couple of different TV shows and stuff like that. So that's what we're doing. Um, and yeah, that's what we've been doing. So I, I know that there's money to be had doing that. And a lot of uh, oh, artists sure. don't recognize that as being a revenue stream. And yet, and yet there's, you know, there's some good income if you can, you know, get with the right people and get on the right shows and create the right music for the shows. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, more people are catching on now, but uh, so it is getting busier. But yeah, there's definitely, you know, good royalties and streaming income um, if you can get on the right shows and stuff like that, for sure. Yeah. Um, on the cool. on the uh, other side of the world, as far as your life is concerned, um, well, here we are. It's the new year, and uh, what can I say? Credit card bills are are here as well. <laughs> they are. So due today. Yeah, as a matter of the uh, the uh, credit <laughs> hangover. Yeah, as I call it. This yeah. is this is when you find out how much money you actually spent and and, and that you couldn't afford to. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. I will say that um, in my experience, from what I've seen and people that I've chatted with, a lot of artists and creatives are often not very business minded, and mm. that can cause problems. I mean, when you were on the road, uh, what was it like for you? What did you learn? Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. So when I first got on the road, I was touring with an artist by the name of Manifest. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah, yeah. Chris, remember yeah. him, Chris Greenwood. And that's where I started to learn business. You know, we had all these hours in between shows of driving and flying that, you know, it was like, I got to do something other than just sit here. 
And that's where we started to learn about money and business and study all that stuff. And so that's where um, being with him for a good amount of time, that's where I started to figure out the business side of things. And then when I went with Sky Terminal, the great part was, you know, Marcel was great songwriter. And I did songwriting as well, but um, I had the business background. So, you know, we're an independent band. We're not on a label. We would go on tour and we would actually come home and make money. You know, and mm-hmm. it was like it was like a cool thing because most bands can't say that, and so it, it was a great. While we were touring, it was a good income to supplement. You know, when we were away from home, um, but it was really the business side of things that got us there because we knew how to, you know, go after sponsorships. We knew how to get the songs in the places that were going to make us some money. We knew how to how to do that because of the experience I brought when um, you know from all those years of learning with uh, Chris and uh, being on the road with him. You know, the cool. the fact of the matter is when you're in a band, you're usually, unless you're signed with a label, you're usually an entrepreneur, you're usually self-employed, and that has yeah. some ramifications as well. Because if I'm working for a company, I collect a paycheck, they they take the tax off for me, um, yeah. and, and if, you know, when you're doing your budgeting and stuff, maybe you're tithing, but you've still got your rent or mortgage payments, uh, you've got right. your heat that you have to worry about, you've got your electricity, food, fuel for your vehicle, you've got your phone bill and everything else. And at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot left mm-hmm. when you are employed by a company, let alone if you're self-employed, you got to, you got to set some of that money aside. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. yeah taxes sure, take sure. out a lot of businesses, right? Like, like when, when the CRA comes and says, not only do you owe us business taxes, but you owe us this thing called GST if you live where I am or HST if you live in Ontario that you're supposed to be collecting on behalf of the government. And most people either don't or they don't collect the right amount or they collect it and spend it. And that's where we find a lot of businesses and artists, to be honest, because artists are businesses. Um, sure. Get stuck, get you know, start to the finances start to fall apart there because they didn't do it the right way or they didn't put it aside and just let it sit. Um, and so, luckily, we understood all that and we were able to keep that stuff where it was and it didn't, you know, cause us any hardship in, in terms of going into debt or in terms of, um, you know, owning the CRA, uh, a whole bunch of coin. Um, and so that's part of that savviness of you really, if you want to make it in music, you do have to either have a partner that's really good in business and understand that can do that for you, or you have to sure. get to learn it and understand it so that five years down the road, you aren't like having to shut it down and go get a, you know, quote unquote, um, day nine to five, nine to five, yeah. because you didn't handle the stuff properly. And that's how most businesses right, fail, right. by the way, is, is through taxes, not not putting enough aside or not saving what they should have. That's usually how most businesses start to fall apart. That's right. Now, uh, just to take mm-hmm. a step back for a second, defining CRA, because we have a lot of listeners in the U.S. <laughs> as well. So CRA is the Canada Revenue Agency. What would be the, what would be the same thing in the States? The IRS. IRS. There IRS. you go. That's a scary as word. Certain as dearth in taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how do you use your your knowledge? Do uh, are you able to use it? And how are you able to use the knowledge that you have from a hmm. business standpoint? Um, are you able to use it and help other artists or people in the industry um, on their journey? 
Yeah, you know, we've definitely worked with some artists. Obviously, you know, the business stuff applies not just to artists, it applies into the business world as well. So we've worked with a lot of businesses um, and a lot of artists, not only on how to, like, be savvy and put the money where it should go and, 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 and all that stuff, but also how to save taxes, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And Canada, it's different in Canada than the U.S., it works in the U.S. Sure. too, but it works better in Canada, where if you can set up the business in a way, uh, you know, there's certain ways you can set up businesses. And if you set up in a, in a certain way here, you can really reduce the amount of taxes you pay um, uh-huh. and, you know, potentially bring it down quite a bit. And I figured that out the year that I paid so much taxes, all my savings got wiped out. Um, this is many, many, many years ago. And that started me on a journey on how to, keep more of my money instead of giving it all to the government. And, um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so we help a lot of businesses do that, you know, be able to keep more of their money and set them up in a way where pay themselves in a way where they aren't um, triggering a whole bunch of taxes. And so that's definitely something I've learned along the way that's helped me immensely. And then obviously we're teaching that to businesses and uh, artists as well. Yeah. Now, Mike, I don't want to put a target on my own back, but I I have a philosophy. I have I have this uh, this mentality that uh, I try to pay as little tax as possible. That's a good thing, by the way. That shouldn't be a target. As long as the CRA isn't listening, we're good. Okay, that's good. Let's talk a little bit about uh, this. Is the thing that disturbs me sometimes when I see artists and musicians, and I suppose maybe this is maybe this is became very apparent during the pandemic because there's a lot of people unemployed. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that aren't able to work um, because they can't do shows. Um, they, you know, they're, they're very limited in what they can do. And that's just not, that's not just the entertainment world and, and, and whatever. But um, I, I think about, I, I went to that whole Dave Ramsey you know, yes. university yep. thing. It's it's like the Dave Ramsey yes, Bible. Yes. And one of the yes. things that he talks about is this rainy day fund. And I, I honestly, I, I don't have, I don't want to sound callous, Mike, but I don't have a lot <laughs> of sympathy for people who haven't planned ahead and, <clears throat> and, and they should have, and they know they should have, and they could have, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When the times are good, like right now, you know, artists are back in the game and you got to have an emergency fund. I can't tell you how many times that emergency fund saved my butt on the road. You know, the van would break down. The infamous van breaking down, right? I mean, how many, how many of us, you know, if you travel long enough, the van's going to break down. Yeah, but you just go, have a GoFundMe and, and have all your fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? Three months Three months later, you get the money. Sure, you can wait for that. Well, you know, but uh, it doesn't always come through the way you need it to. So, uh, any business practice, you know, in business we call it retained earnings. Um, it's not necessarily called an emergency fund. You can call it what you want: emergency fund, retained earnings, opportunity fund. Some people call it, you know, the opportunity is not going to debt when life happens. Um, but it's very smart for any business, any artist, if you're starting out. And maybe if you're an artist that isn't full-time yet, go build a three to six month retained earnings fund. Three to six months of what you think expenses are going to be. And Mm -hmm. that way, when you're on the road, because let's be honest, there's one guarantee on the road. Things are not going to go the way you have planned for them to go. Um, (laughs) And when life shows up and that van breaks down or, you know, the airline cancels your tickets or loses your luggage or whatever, uh, you've got some money you can tap into uh, 
um, that can hold you over till things get fixed and, you know, things get right again. And I've watched mm-hmm. so many artists, revolving door on the road, so many artists leave their dreams to go back to the nine to five because they didn't have a plan for when the unexpected right. happened. And they had to go back home and leave the road. It was so funny. Every, every tour I would go on, you know, we would tour some of the same artists, um, you know, some festivals and, and, and hit the road with them. And, you know, a, a year later, it was like a revolving door. It was a whole bunch of new artists or a whole bunch of new players in the band. And like, where, where's, you know, where did Chuck go? Well, Chuck, mm-hmm. you know, had $40,000 of debt and couldn't make his payments anymore. So he had to go home and find a nine to five. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, you know, if you want to do nine to five. But if your dreams to be a musician and an artist like mine was, Having some financial, being savvy, you know, whether it's FPU University or just reading a book, but actually doing the principles of having an emergency fund, putting money aside for like when the unexpected happens will save your butt and keep you on the road way longer than the majority of your peers. Yeah, um, yeah, this is true. And I think the other thing, too, is when it comes to uh, an artist, but even, uh, you know, just regular folk, people working the nine to five job, saving up for that vacation versus putting it on your credit card. Yes. I think yeah. I think that's really um, bad uh, financial practice to be putting a vacation on your credit card. Like, I know you've worked hard. I know you're tired. I know you need a break. But if you can't <laughs> afford it and you haven't put the money aside, you're going to be paying for it later on. Yeah. yeah well, you know true. who wants you to do like, that? Like, literally. You know who wants you to put the vacation on the credit card? Who? Visa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in 2022, I don't, I don't have the 2023 numbers yet because the year has just turned, but I've got the 2022 numbers. Visa made $40 billion. My goodness. $40 billion. That's one credit card. Now, if you put MasterCard, Amex, Discover, and all the other cards, it's a multi, probably hundred billion, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars industry. And so Visa loves that you yeah, use the credit doubt card. It. They love that they get to charge you whatever it is, 20, whatever you're paying, 20, 22, 29%. Uh, right. Even though we plan to pay it back before the interest, right? Um, they love that. And, and the thing is, they, they're not going to come to your door to rescue you when you do get stuck. And so right. if you can make it a practice to save up for that vacation, it's called delayed gratification. And what we have found is those who have delayed gratification become more successful than those who don't because they're willing to wait and hold on. Right. And right. so if you can save up for that, you know, we, we do a find more money challenge now uh, where we teach you how to find an extra 250 to $500 more per month. And one of the things I tell people, like if you find an extra $500 a month and you save that for the next 12 months, you've got over, you got like $6,000. That's a vacation. Mm-hmm. It's almost sure anywhere you want to go. And uh, people are surprised how fast it can happen if they do get focused and intentional uh, with their money. I figured out a way to make a, a few extra hundred dollars per month. How? Uh, well, in the times that we're in with high interest rates, I just watch the money accumulate. That's right. Savings? Yeah. That's right. 5% savings accounts right now. 5% savings. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just twiddling my thumbs watching, you know, get my statement. Oh, there's another few hundred dollars. You're welcome. I mean, thank you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time. Thank you, and you're welcome to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't seen interest rates as high. I remember when I first first started in 2008, kind of when I started to cut my teeth around money and learning it all. 
uh, you know, the big recession of 08. I was just like, what's going on here? What is this? And that's when I started to ask questions and try to find the answers. Uh, back then, we were making 3% on our savings accounts. I remember that. And then, you know, interest rates went down and the savings account went down completely where we were making pennies now, nothing, pretty much nothing. So this is the first time in my adult lifetime that I've seen it this high. Uh, and I'm a millennial. So, you know, all the millennials that are out there, this is probably our first time seeing rates this high and trying to navigate what to do. I, uh, I don't know if I should say this, Mike. Um, I had a conversation with my wife a few months ago, and this was when, you know, the, the economy appeared to be taking a dive. Uh, yeah. You know, there's talk of recession and everything else. And, and I said this to my wife. I said, you do realize that every time the economy has had a downturn, as a family, financially, we've done fairly well. Right on. And, and I <laughs> think, awesome. and it's not just like interest rates and everything else. That's part of it. But I think yeah, it's, it's sure. also learning and knowing already how to live within your means. And yeah. I think, I think a lot of times, yeah, I think a lot of times when, when times are good, a lot of people just like, oh, let's just spend, let's just, you know, let's enjoy life right. and everything else. And then, and then times get tough and they don't know how to do that. And if you're already doing right. it, um, it shouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't be a big issue. So I can't, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, 15 years ago I was rolling in the dough or anything like that, but, but certainly, <laughs> You know, we were trying to live within our means, and and so when times were tough, and part of that again was the fact that interest rates are higher, that helped us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, having the discipline to not overspend is huge, right? Yeah. Um, and when money was, listen, let's be honest. For up until about a year and a half, two years ago, money was cheap. You could go borrow off a line of credit for almost zero percent, or borrow on a mortgage for almost, you know, what was yeah. like. One percent. I thought as low as one. I had one point two percent mortgage. Like unheard of. Not I like, at some point, they're going to have to go negative if they don't. If things don't change, like they're going to be giving you money to take a mortgage. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but if you can, yeah, that's so great. If you can have the discipline to manage your money, um, not overspend. Do a you know a budget or a cash flow plan, as I call it here, where you know where your money is going every month. Um, instead of wondering where it went, like you're going to do well long-term. You're going to do really good. And times like this where interest rates are high, I have a, I have a mentor. Uh, his name's Peter Daniels. Um, old, way older. He's been around for, he, he's in his probably nineties now. But I remember one of the quotes he said to me was, he said, Mike, never let another crisis go to waste. It's in the hard times that people have become wealthy, become wealthy because they've got the discipline they're got you know uh-huh, they're ready uh-huh. for the opportunity that most people aren't, and that's where most people will cut their teeth and build wealth. And if that's a goal for you, now's the time to do it. Yeah, I guess creating a budget is probably a big thing to start with. That would be um, yeah. They, they you know most people call it the dirty B word, but that would definitely be something if you can learn how to do the budget. And here's what it is, by the way. Like most people, the way they do budgets. Um, it doesn't work. It's more of a P&L statement, profit and loss statement than it is a budget. And so mm-hmm. if you're going to do one well and you know, do it right for your personal finances in your home, this is how you do it. At the top, you write down you know, what you're going to make that month or if you make commissions or if you're in sales, what you think you're going to make that month. And then what you do is you, you, you take that money and your, your goal is to spend it all on paper first. 
And so you write down, yes. you know, what do I pay for rent, for the mortgage, utilities, food, you know, and you just go down the list. And the goal is at the end is for everything to equal zero. Your income minus your monthly expenses equals zero. Now, if you've got money left over, go back and put it somewhere. Maybe it's extra savings. Maybe you pay off some extra debt with it or save for that vacation we were talking about earlier and put mm-hmm, it in, mm-hmm. in your budget and then have that bounce down to zero. And then what you do, and this is what most people miss, because what happens is they put it down on paper, then they swipe, 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 and in a month, oh my gosh, we overspent. What you do is you, whether you want to do this weekly or just at the end of the month or daily if you want to do it, we usually tell people at the beginning, you know, do it more often than not. Um, so a week might be a good opportunity for the new people doing this. Is every week you sit down and you just write down your expenses beside each category. Mm-hmm. And as, and what happens is as you write down those expenses, you know, you start to see if you're about to overspend. And if you're about to overspend, obviously you got to say, pause, stop, that category, we're not spending anymore for the month, we're done. Um, right, and it allows right. you to look at it in a different way than just writing it down and then coming back at the end of the month and hoping and praying everything works. And that, just, that way doesn't work. But if you do it this way mm-hmm. where you have your income, write down your expenses on paper for the month, and as you spend – write down what you actually spend beside what you thought you were going to spend. Um, that is probably going to help you a find more money. Uh, but B it's going to help you get back in control of your finances. And it usually takes a couple months to get it going well. So if it doesn't work month one, sure, sure. don't be discouraged. It's your look is what you're doing is you're learning your habits and behaviors on paper. Is what mm-hmm. you're doing essentially, mm-hmm. and so it usually takes. We t- we tell our clients, you know, usually three to six months to really get it dialed in well. And if you'll hold out and if you'll be persevered during the three to six months, at the end of that, this will be easy. It'll be automatic. It'll be a no-brainer. You're going to be in control, confident around your money. You're going to know where everything's going. You're going to know if you're going to be short this month ahead of time. So you know if you got to have make arrangements or talk to people or whatever. Um, essentially, you know, you're not going to be chasing your tail anymore. I'll tell you something that um, that the Lord spoke to me years ago. And to be very honest, I'm still working it and just as clear as day. He said, discipline plus consistency equals payoff. Mm. Discipline plus consistency equals payoff. That's more than just money, though. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's everything. Everything. Yeah, you know, and maintaining that that sense of discipline, man. I I tell you what, it's it's hard, but it does pay off. You know, if we can exercise discipline in our lives, and uh, we'll see we'll see results. Now, and yeah. I'm a results driven person. Now, so. <laughs> speaking of of consistency like and and determination and everything else that you've just said, Aisha. Uh, let's talk retirement, and I and I'm not ready to retire yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but um, and and this isn't to gloat or anything else. I could retire if I wanted to. There That's you go. I've, I've got a few years to go, and 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 I'd have to sell my house to do it. Um, but uh-huh. but I could I could do all that, live off the interest if I really wanted to. And I'm not saying that yeah. to gloat or anything like that. But I want to get to a point where I'm my own boss. I'm not relying mm. on somebody there you else. Go. Uh, for anything, 
But let's talk now from a from an artist and a musician standpoint, Mike. Um, that's that's one thing. It's one thing to save for a vacation. It's one thing to, you know, put money aside into an emergency fund. But now saving right. for that retirement, are you going to be an artist singing or performing uh, past whatever age? Nope. You know, like, or do you yeah. want to kick back and relax a little bit? And and I should point out as well, my dentist has got to be in his. Uh, 70s or something like that and his comment he's, yeah. a, he's a christian and his comment to me was uh it doesn't say anything in the bible about retiring so i'm still doing this and i'm having fun you know? <laughs> so, so so part of it too he's is all faithful it, unto death yeah if work if work is fun if you're having fun doing it you don't have to stop either but if yeah. you're uh-huh. if you're working to the point where you just want to put your feet up and do nothing for the rest of your life well that's that's fine but you got to do the work ahead of time right. to do all that so can yeah. you Absolutely. can you speak to that a little bit mike yeah, retirement. I mean, I mean, retirement is a word that he's right. It's not in the Bible. Um, you know, something that's more recently been a, been a word created in the industrial age to so the goal was to get people to move on so they can hire younger people. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the concept of retirement. Here's my view of the concept of retirement. I think you want to get to a point in your life where you can choose what you want to do. If that's continue to working at your yes. job you love doing, you're choosing to do it. That's what a good retirement allows you to do. So it gives you choices. You want to go? I, I know um, uh, someone that retired from their nine to five to go work in missions, and now they spend the retirement traveling, working in missions. Um, retirement should be an opportunity to do what you want to do. And in this day and age, yeah, this day and age, you know, I don't want to discourage anybody, but you're going to need roughly if you want to live well. Okay, and we can all define what well looks like differently. But if you want to live well, you're going to need probably mm-hmm. about a million dollars. Um, roughly about a million dollars. Give mm-hmm. or take. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit less. But you can't, you're not retiring on $100,000 anymore. Right. Because the goal <laughs> of your retirement money, all right, this is a concept we teach, um, teach our clients, is you want your money to be able to produce more. You want your money to get pregnant and produce more money babies. That's called compound interest. Every time your money doubles, every time your money grows and produces more money, that's compound interest. And the faster Mm -hmm. your money can compound, the more money you have at retirement. And then what the goal in retirement is to take that money and let that money produce an income for you that is free of a nine to five job. Yes, yes. That's the goal. Now, that's high level. Obviously, how you get there, that's a whole other conversation. But I'll say this. (laughs) There isn't one person that's listening to this podcast that can't get there. Mm -hmm. And that's a bold Mm -hmm. statement. If you're 25 years old, it takes about $100 to $150 a month uh, until you're 65. You'll have roughly about $1.7 million. Wow. If you invest it, get an average return of 10 to 12%. I got my kids mm-hmm. to put money towards retirement before they could actually put money towards retirement. That's right. I'm doing the same mm-hmm. with my kids. I got an eight-year-old who does $30, roughly about $30, 15 to $30 a month. She's going to be a That's multi-millionaire awesome. at retirement. Yeah, she And, you get, and you get used to that whole savings standpoint yeah. anyways, and so it's not that difficult model, to do. yeah, you put it in place. Yeah, yeah exactly. you put it into place. Look at it. Mm-hmm. Look at it the same way you, like, treat it the same way you budget eating out. If you give yourself, you know, if you give yourself 100 or 200 or $300 a month for eating out, 
you got to do the same for your retirement. And it doesn't have to be that number exactly, but you know, have an, a line in your cash flow plan or your budget that says retirement fund. And every month you put mm-hmm. that into, you know, some sort of savings outside of the banks, you know, something that can give you a better return than 5%. And long term, right. that money will grow and double and double and double again. And before you know it, you're retiring and you've got a good chunk of change to fall back on. How can we invest in kingdom and see a monetary return? Yeah. Yeah, because you're not taking it with you, right? When you when you die and leave this earth, that money ain't going with you. Um, right, right. But as I tell people, you can invest it forward. Um, and you can see uh-huh. it, you know, in heaven. And, you know, the way it works, and there's a couple ways. One, you know, just if you make it a practice of just giving and putting that in your budget every month. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, some say tithing and they give 10%. That's great. Some do more than that. Some have to do less than that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Just start doing something. And, sure, sure. you know, we give to our local church that's really involved in the city and helping people uh, that are down and right. out, that are, you know, and, and that's one way to invest into the kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. Another way, like I said, um, my buddy Russ, who retired years ago, and he went into full-time missions because he had, again, uh, he, he invested and grew wealth in a way where when he retired, he had something to live up. So he now goes, he volunteers his time into, and that's what he does all year. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to do it. Talked about, yeah, you talked about uh, kids and, and setting money aside, having them set money aside uh, yeah. regularly. Mm-hmm. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about generational wealth? Mm, I love generational wealth. I've got actually, uh, I've got an investment club called the Generation Wealth Investment Club. And it's where nice. we teach people how to invest and grow wealth. Um, listen, most Christians don't get this concept. Uh, most Jewish people do get the concept. It's an old, it's in yes, the Old Testament. Sir. It's been passed down. Great book on this if you want to dive into details. It's called Thou Shall Prosper by Daniel Lappin. Um, he okay. dives into this way deeper than again, I'm about to dive into. Thou, shall, Thou prosper. shall prosper. I'm writing it down. Okay, by yeah. Daniel Lappin. Daniel Lappin's a Jewish rabbi, um, speaks to a lot of Christians. But what I love about what he brings to the table is he even says this Christians don't understand Jewish culture and the Old Testament. And so he, he breaks uh-huh. it down for us. One of the concepts he breaks down is generational wealth. Uh-huh. And says, you know, it's, it takes one generation to build wealth for the rest of the generations going forward. The problem is Christians aren't teaching it, uh, and they haven't uh-huh. been taught uh-huh. it either, right? So it's 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 a twofold thing. But generation wealth. Listen, um, I'll just give you some high high level numbers. It, let's just say you get to retirement and you retire a millionaire. Let's just say you hit that million dollar mark. Okay, if you're 25, it takes roughly about 100 125 bucks a month. If you're 30, uh, I think you're about 350 a month to do it. If you're in your 40s, it's about a thousand dollars a month to get there. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and that's averaging 10 to 12 percent, which the stock market has done for the last 30 years. Okay, so. Um, it's not hard to get there. It just takes time and patience. So let's just say you get to a yeah. million dollars and you're 65, you're retired. You're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, go do what I want to do, whatever. That no, your goal in your lifetime is not to spend that million dollars. Your goal in your lifetime is to have that million dollars produce an income for you every single day for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And that million dollars invested at roughly 
let's, let's call it 8% at that point. You know, maybe you got dividends paying you 8%. We'll produce for you roughly about um, eighty to $90,000 a year passive income. That's, you know, you want to talk about passive income, that's the best passive income I know out there. Money you get without having to do anything, and the stock market can do that for you. Um, and let's just say 20 years later, you pass away. You know, the average person now is living to about 85. Um, you pass away, and you've got roughly that million dollars left that you leave to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Well, the next generation now invests that money at 10 to 12%. By the time they hit retirement, obviously this depends on how old they are when you pass away. By the time they hit retirement, that money's probably doubled. Because at 12%, your money doubles every seven years. Mm. So that million dollars and seven, seven years, years goes by fast. <laughs> seven years can go by fast. Yeah, yeah. I just ask anyone Jeez. who's a little bit older. We can tell you, seven years will fly by fast. That million, yeah, roughly yeah, million dollars or so has now doubled. Uh, now you're living off $2 million and you let the $2 million produce for you an income. You pass away. Now you pass that down to your kids and grandkids and you let that $2 million run for another seven years. You've now made, you've now got $4 million mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you do it again and again and again and again. And obviously part of this conversation is teaching your family how to handle that money because if they don't know how to That's handle it, it, it can ruin them. So you gotta right. you gotta teach them. Obviously, that's part of the conversation. It's not just all about money. It's about teaching them how it works and the discipline behind it um, and right. all that. But that's how you start to build generate. I mean, you want to talk about Rockefeller wealth? That's how they did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pass it down from generation to generation to generation. And each generation understood how to handle it, how to manage it. Um, and that's how yes. you start to build generational wealth. And here's the best part for the king. You want to talk about for the kingdom. You now take that money, and again, it's producing for you 10 to 12%. You can now take a good portion of that money and then start to give that away. Right. To missionaries right. that need your help, to, to organizations that are going out and saving souls. You can start to fund them in a big way. Other than giving 20 bucks every week in the offering play, you can now say, hey, I'll work you a check for $100,000 because you're doing the right. work. You know, and that's investing into the mm-hmm. kingdom. You um, better know it. I really believe. I really believe every Christian, um, in my opinion, this is my opinion, so take it how you will, but I really believe every Christian should have a goal to build generational wealth. A, so their kids uh-huh. never have to suffer, um, uh, or I shouldn't say suffer, that's the wrong word, uh, never have to struggle around money, mm-hmm. and B, so every generation can become more and more generous, change the world uh, for Jesus, yes. uh, save lives for Jesus, and influence this world in a way. Um, that most Christians can't do. Uh, I, I, I use the word most, but a lot of Christians won't be able to do because we're living paycheck to paycheck trying to figure out how to balance right. the budget. Um, so right. there's multiple steps to get there, and it takes time to get there, but if, if you'll focus and really commit to it, it's, it, it takes one generation to change everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll say this, and I don't want to, I don't want to, this isn't like getting conspiracy and all that stuff here, but. A bunch of years ago, the Canadian government went to churches. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Went to churches and said, "If you don't change, I forget what they had to change, but they wanted they wanted the churches to be inclusive of certain things that you're not going to find most churches being inclusive of." And they said, "If you don't change this, we're not going to give you funding um, for you know a lot, of, a lot of churches will do summer programs and stuff like that." Yeah, that was for the student volunteer program where they yes, the yes, students. The, that they would yeah. get grants from the government to support students working over the summer, but yeah. they had to change their um, their philosophy or or their uh, I, I don't know what you call it their their um, bylaws I guess in a sense of the church oh, to uh-huh. accommodate uh-huh. that just so they could get the student funding. 
their yeah, funding. And so mm-hmm. I watched some churches shut down the program. Yeah. Because they're like, well, we're not doing that. And they didn't have the money to do right. it. Right. I watched other churches who had a lot of wealth in them and a lot of money savviness. Churches say, that's fine. We're not going to accept that. We'll just run our own program. And we've got enough members mm-hmm. tithing and giving where they continue to do that. All that to say, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but you want to be in a position. I can see. It's, I can see the government one day saying, "Well, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're not you're not entitled to CPP anymore." If you live in the U.S., that's old age security for Canada. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it ever does, I want to be able to say, "Let's find. I've got a million dollar nest egg. We'll continue to give out of that and live off of that." by CPP. Mm-hmm. And in fact, as a business owner, we've stopped paying into it. That's one of the things we teach a lot of businesses is to stop paying into it and to start to invest that money into yourself. Um, the average person pays roughly about $500 into CPP. Their employer pays $500 into CPP for that usually. Um, mm-hmm. 10% of your income is going into CPP, yet when you get to old age, if you see what you're actually given, it's, it's, it's sad. How much they pennies. give you, but it, yeah, it's not pennies. not what you put into it. That's for sure. Not yeah, what you put into pennies. it, and, and there's a reason why they got to you know, what are we, 35 million Canadians or 40 million Canadians now? Like they've got to spread it out. Yeah, and it's got to be but the stability I, to the program and all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, all about. that. Yeah. Good but when gracious. I sit down with business owners I, and I say, listen, if you start, like I've stopped paying into CPP, just the way I've set up my business, I don't, ha- I have the option to not pay into it anymore. I said, if you stop paying into it, and if you'll take that same money, that five to a thousand dollars a month that you had to pay into CPP, and you invest that, that alone will produce enough wealth for you that when you hit retirement, you won't mm-hmm. have to worry mm-hmm. about money. You've got your own quote unquote CPP plan. Um, anyways, all yeah. that to say here, like, like um, there's there's ways, like I said, every Canadian listening to this, every American listening to this, there's no reason why you can't become wealthy if you'll follow the steps. Um, and the goal is to just really be in control um, so that when God calls you to do something, missions or to you work somewhere free. to be a part of this, you're free. You're free to yep, do it. Yep, that's it. That's the point. That's the goal. Mike, want to thank you for your time and uh, thank you for hanging with us. It's been us. so good, bro. Yeah, Woo. a lot of good, good uh, nuggets for people to take along, and hopefully, it uh, it you know causes people to look at their own future and and you know what's going on in their life financially to to make sure that they're set for the future, whether it be the emergency fund, looking at retirement, looking at blessing others. Um, I guess if the people want to learn more about you, they can go to moneycoachmike.com. And uh, thanks for your time today. Hey guys, thanks so much. Great to be here. I'll tell you what, that was that was a great conversation. Oh, I, yeah. I almost want to go and um, I'm going to have to listen to it again. But right now we're going to check out some artist advice from Dustin from Sanctus Real. Have a solid foundation. Don't make it about music. Because in this business, it's inevitable that somebody's going to like your music and somebody's not going to like your music. And it's the most up and down, even for bands that have made it, right? Like, it's just up and down. And every level you get to just becomes a new normal. And that's the thing. People think, hey, I signed a deal. It's going to be great. Now I'm going to be famous. That's not how it works. <laughs> and it's the most up and down thing. And I think the, the, the young artists that I mentor and worked with, the hardest thing they deal with is that they've made music their center. They've made that their foundation. That's not, you have to have a foundation that you, even if music was taken away from you, you'd be okay. You have to have a solid base or this business will chew you up and spit you out. If you're in Christian music and you're a believer, make sure you have a center and a foundation or there's no point in doing this thing. Just go to secular music. It'll be a lot easier. The key words for me 
in what he said there was, even if music was taken away from you. Yes. It, you know, you having a solid foundation is important, but what does that really mean? And mm -hmm. what it really meant to me was when he said, if music were taken away from you. So whatever your passion is, whatever your love is, if that was taken away from you, what have you got left? Yeah. Well, I think for me, the solid foundation and firm foundation is being in relationship with Jesus, you know, because like he said, music can be taken away in a day, yeah. you know, yeah. a career can be taken away um, at any and at any point in time. And if you're not in relationship with Jesus, then what's it all for anyway? That's right. You yeah. know? Yeah. Well, thank you to Dustin from Sanctus Real and thank you to Mike Crofts for hanging with us today. Really enjoyed yes. that conversation. If you missed any part of that conversation, you can uh, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, James Curtis along with Aisha Woods on Between the Grooves. Bye-bye. listening to Faith Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook or X at Between Grooves and on Instagram at Between Grooves Pod. Or email us anytime. Hello at Faith Strong Today today.com.